So what we're uh, going to do now is uh, the Cape and Ray students, as I've mentioned, the Cape and Ray students have uh, put together a, um, a, a video on the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You'll notice I've taken a couple of poetic licenses in there, so, uh, so the guys are going to put that up on the live stream right now and enjoy that for the next couple of minutes. Reading from Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and then they went away, leaving him half dead. A cricket player happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a businesswoman, when she came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. A big thanks to the to the Cape and Ray team for putting that together at uh, what was quite short notice. As you know, we're uh, we are partway through our uh, series on the church. At this point in time, I would have pointed towards the thing, the uh, panels on the wall, but of course you can't see them. Uh, but you'll notice that the video at the end there panned through to those panels, which uh, and that's what we are. Um, the, the, this, the series is about. It's about uh, showing us and teaching us how to love the church, sorry, love God, love the church. And now we're uh, looking at loving the lost. And so you've seen there the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. Um, and the, the team, that the, the Cape and Ray team, putting that together. And so, yeah, just a massive uh, thanks to them. them. They did use a little bit of license. Obviously, if you've been reading along in your Bible, you wouldn't have seen a cricket player nor a businesswoman there. Uh, but uh, but that, a, a big thanks to them for putting that together. On the surface level, this parable, this parable is a parable about loving your neighbor. Um, and that's probably where we've all understood the the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's about doing good to those that are, are around us. But there is actually a far more critical and important lesson that Jesus was teaching there. So what I want us to do is I want us to, to walk through the story. 
and uh, and perhaps the uh, the slides might be popping up over over your screen there at some point soon. Uh, just just as a, a, a by the way, uh, just a, again the 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 tech crew here is uh, it's our first week doing this. It's uh, they've done an incredible job um, at putting all this together. So a, a massive thanks to them. What we're going to do is just going to walk through the story here and uh, and and notice that first up the the lawyer. The lawyer is, uh, he comes to Jesus and he asks a really good question. In verse 25, he asks a, a fantastic question. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? A fantastic question. Um, and it's a common question for people to ask Jesus through the, through the Gospels. Because Jews... You see, Jews were taught that it was their traditions and their lineage that was going to bring them eternal life. It was the Jews and the uh, the, the the Jews' traditions and the Jews um, uh, the 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 fact that they came from the line of David and then further back from the line of Abraham that that was going to bring them eternal life. But clearly, they had some sort of nagging in them. They, were not, they, some, they, they somehow knew, uh, as this lawyer perhaps knew, and those that came to Jesus, the likes of Nicodemus, knew that, knew that there was something of that law-keeping that was just kind of superficial. It was superficial and... Thanks, Dom. It was superficial and it was... Uh, it, it was like they were just keeping up a, 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 a facade in front of them. And Jesus then... Uh, knowing what was going on in this lawyer's heart, he returns with a question, uh, the perfect question for the, for the lawyer. He says in verse uh, 20, 26, he says, what is written in the law? How have you read it? This is a perfect question for a lawyer. It's, uh, it's like, how do you read the law? What's your interpretation? Lawyers uh, make, their, make their money out of interpreting law for us. And so the lawyer answers with verse 27. The lawyer answers and he says, uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He gives a good answer, doesn't he? Uh, we've, we've looked at uh, this parallel passage a, a few weeks ago from Matthew, and that was the answer that Jesus gave. Uh, so this is a, this is a good answer. And Jesus says this, uh, answers then again in verse 29, uh, verse 28, sorry, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. So what's going on here is that Jesus is holding up a mirror, a mirror of the Old Testament law in front of the, of the lawyer, and he's exposing a problem in the lawyer's heart. You see, the lawyer had answered correctly. He was obviously a, a guy that knew the, the Old Testament law. The lawyer had answered the, the question rightly. And then, but what Jesus is going to do is he's going to expose the lawyer's heart and going to show him that you can have all the right answers, but your heart can still be wrong. That you can have all the right answers, but your heart can still be wrong. And so here comes the problem. Here comes the problem that the, that the lawyer, uh, as, he re, as he responds again in verse 29, the lawyer says, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? There we go. 
the lawyer tried to justify himself. Who would have guessed, right? A lawyer justifying himself. So he, notice that the lawyer skips right over the part about loving God. Okay, he skips right over the loving God part. The lawyer wants to discuss a technical point. Because you see, the Jews were taught, the Jews were taught that you were to love your neighbor, yes, but you were to hate your enemy. Have a look at Matthew 5, 43, if you want to see, uh, see that. So what the lawyer was trying to do was he was trying to limit the extent of the reach of the law into his life. Okay, so what the lawyer was trying to do, he was asking the question, who's my neighbor? And what he, was, what he was intending to do there was say, okay, if I can figure out who my neighbor is, if my neighbor is this little subset of people here, then all these other people I don't have to worry about. You can see what he was doing there, right? So what he was trying to do is he was trying to limit the extent of the reach of the law so as to limit his own responsibility. And unfortunately, that sounds a little bit like us sometimes. It's, it's easy to love the neighbor that we get along with, the nice neighbor that we get along with. But how about that really annoying guy? How about that really annoying neighbor that's, really, that's always getting on our nerves and it's always obnoxious? He's a little harder to love, yeah? And I think our hearts do this in every sphere of, of life. We're we trying, to, trying to lock down what God says in His Word to something, something over here so that we've got freedom to do what we want over here. We do that a, a lot. I think we, sometimes we might go, give time to a church ministry so that we can do whatever we want with the rest of our time. I, I know that uh, it's many people's practice, uh, and it's not a bad practice at all, it's a good practice, but the, a practice to tithe in terms of like give a, p- a portion of your income to, to the church or to God's uh, ministries. But oftentimes we're doing that, we're giving that, that portion over here so that we can do whatever we want with the rest of our money. And sometimes we want to love a neighbor or two so that we can say, yes, we have loved our neighbor so that I can ignore the rest. We do this so often in our hearts. It's called legalism. Give us a, give us a, a law to follow. Give us a, a, a rule to follow so that then I can do what, what I want with the rest of my life. But God doesn't want just the little portion of our life, whether it's our money, our time, or our love. He wants all of it, Right? He wants us to be giving and surrendering to him completely. And so, so Jesus challenges now, the ch- challenges the lawyer and, and who is asked, who is my neighbor? And just a little side note, if you're ever reading through the Gospels, uh, if you're a character in the, in the Gospels and Jesus either asks you a question or tells you a story, you're probably in trouble. Okay, so here comes the trouble for the lawyer, because the, the, the Je- Jesus is going to change that kind of passive uh, uh, question about who is my neighbor in verse 27, 29. The lawyer asks that passive question, who's my neighbor? And Jesus is going to turn it around by the end of the story to a very active be a neighbor in verse 36. Okay, so let's just follow, follow, the, uh, follow the story through. So there's lots of interesting detail in the story. Uh, if you were wanting to have uh, have a bit of a background read to to the, the 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 area there, the Jews and Samaritans and their interaction, you'll find a lot of interesting detail. Just very quickly, this road that they were traveling on it was a very dangerous road. Probably not quite like Swarbrick Drive, where the Cape and Ray students uh, set their little drama. Um, but this road that the uh, the road going down from Jerusalem was a very, very uh, dangerous road. It still exists today, and if you were to walk down or wander down it, you can see how dangerous it was. There's caves and little rocks everywhere where robbers could hide and, and jump out. 
Now, the priest and the Levite, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them. The priest and the Levite, they were uh, people that were hi- kind of in high standing in the circles of the religion today. So, so you might think, I mean, the Cape and Ray students did a great job. They, they had a cricket player uh, who, by the way, the actor was a Canadian, which is just a little bit ironic there. But they had a, had a cricket player and a businesswoman. Um, but you might also think in our circles, maybe celebrity pastor, right? That's the kind of guy that was coming along, finding the guy on the road, and then the, the, there was a, it's a very active verb that's used in the text, deliberately relocated himself to the other side of the road so he could pass by and, and not get close. And I guess just in comments to, to, the, to the priest and the Levite, I think we've got to confess that we're often guilty of this willing blindness, Yeah. A willing indifference. I think that's a, that can often and, and easily be our, or should be our confession. That that easily is our uh, is what we do in, in life as we see the problems and uh, plights of those around us. But of course, it's the Samaritan. It's it's called the the parable of the good Samaritan for a reason. It's the Samaritan that we want to have uh, have a look at. Again, I mentioned the the Jews and the Samaritans. If you did a bit of background research on on the uh, the Jews and Samaritans. Uh, they uh, were, there were two races that essentially just a- absolutely hated each other. Um, and you might think of, of some sort of uh, uh, tensions that go on even in our society, but between the Jews and the Samaritans, it was a next-level kind of hate. Um, the, the, Jew, the Jews, the, the, this Jewish man was, uh, was get, taking this road, um, this particular road, specifically so that on his, tr- on his journey, he would not have to go through the land of the Samaritans. He was choosing to take a dangerous road so that he could s- avoid the Samaritans. Go back to Ezra Nehemiah, you can see the starting of the conflict between Jews and Samaritans. Um, but the Samaritan would have been, would have been c- classed by the Jews as both a heretic, okay, because they, they took the Israelite religion and they kind of blended all sorts of other pagan religions uh, with that, um, and then, and they were also outcasts. So he was a heretic and an outcast, and it was that Samaritan that bore the injured man's burdens as if it was his own. I'm going to feel the weight of that. It was a person. It was a, the, the the person that the man that was lying down on the road. The guy that came along was someone that he hated with an incredible hate. And yet that person whom he hated took on his burdens as if they were his own. So the Samaritan then started using his own, his own provisions, uh, and he made an extraordinary sacrifice for someone that he just didn't know. He spent a night with him at the, at the inn. If you notice in verse 35, it says, on the next day. So the Samaritan stayed over the, overnight with him. And then spent a whole lot of money and left a tab open, essentially, for the innkeeper to keep on looking after the, the Jewish man. And you can imagine, actually, in, in our setting, in our day and age, uh, probably a, a well-meaning friend or a well-meaning family member saying, hey, you know what, if, if we were to do, do, do what the Samaritan did, they might say to us, you know what, that's probably a little bit foolish. It's, probably, it's nice what you did, but it's a little bit naive. I mean, you left a tab open there. You could be, this is going to really cost you. But I want to ask the question, have you or I ever set aside everything to help a total stranger in a desperate situation? Have we? 
Maybe the answer is yes, but probably the answer is either no or very, very rarely. Have you or I ever set aside everything to help a total stranger in desperate situation, in a desperate situation? Because here's, I think, where we have to stop and realize that we are living in March 2020. And if the camera was able to have a look around the room, we'd realize that we're, there's a feeling of like we are kind of almost in a semi-lockdown situation. You know, We can't all come and gather here together. Just, uh, Jacinda Ardern just yesterday put the country on a, uh, into an alert system uh, and, and we're on level two. And you can imagine potentially those uh, alert levels going up to three and, and four. And I just want you to imagine what, was, what if the, our country got to alert level four, if you were familiar with those alert levels around us. Because opportunities are going to probably very soon be around us to set aside everything to go and help total strangers and as we read the parable of the good samaritan as we think about loving the lost are we prepared to love the lost to the extent that the samaritan did to set aside everything to help a total stranger in a desperate situation and you might think okay well but yes uh, this is a little bit different because the samaritan couldn't have caught a disease couldn't have caught COVID 19 from uh from the jewish man i think fair enough I think there's some, uh, some things from church history that probably also help us here. Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, um, was a, a guy who lived through a period of plague. And he had something interesting to say as he, as he thought through how he would, had, would, uh, would care for those around him during a time of plague. Here's Martin Luther's quote. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, that's probably a little bit of an old-fashioned word, then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus, perchance, inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid that place or person. I shall go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. I think it's just a nice way of putting it together. You know, we're not going to be stupid about what's going on around us and we're not going to put ourselves into harm's way if that's not necessary and we're not going to put others into harm's way by, by contracting a virus uh, if, that's, uh, if that's not necessary. But if, the, if it, as Martin Luther said, if the need arises, I'm going to go in and I'm going to minister into a situation. Philippians 1.21 says, it's probably a, a, a verse that you know really well, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. For me to live as Christ, but to die, to die as gain. As Christians, we've been set free from the fear of death, haven't we? We've been set free from the fear of death. So how, my question is, how are you going to use that freedom to serve others in a desperate situation, such as what we find ourselves in at the moment? 
that's a beautiful thing to be free of the fear of death and to, to be able to go into situations like we see around us this is the one that we're in at the moment the COVID-19 one and there might be others uh, that come along uh, along the way but we are free of the fear of death so we can go in and 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 serve and minister like no one else can because we for us to live as Christ and to and to share the love of Christ and to serve as Christ did but actually to die in, in the situation is to gain anyway so let's go and serve and love our neighbor again have you or I ever set aside everything to help a total stranger in desperate in a desperate situation because actually you have done this for someone you have set aside absolutely everything for someone you've done it for yourself I do it for myself every day if I'm hungry I go and feed myself if I'm cold I put another layer of clothing on if I get hurt I do whatever I can to tend to what is hurt if I'm in a really desperate situation I will do absolutely everything to get myself out of that desperate situation and what is the what was the lawyer's answer you got to love your neighbor as yourself okay so here's where we start to find the actual lesson from the parable there there is a wonderful lesson about loving our, our neighbor in the in the parable but there's actually a deeper and a and a more hard-hitting lesson from the parable see I look after myself reasonably well like I said I care for my needs and and if there's anything I I do need I make sure that I I get that in terms of physical needs and what ways do I look after strangers around me in a in a way that's even close to the way that I look after myself and the answer is not at all realistically it's not at all it's not even close so I completely missed the standard so Jesus what Jesus was doing was he was showing the lawyer mercifully and lovingly that he was missing the standard of the law the law was too high for him and so that shows us two things it shows us that we also miss God's standard and so so continually need Christ's love and Christ's spirit to be filling us so that we can move forward and continue to try and 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 uh, and follow God and follow God's law follow the the law of uh, of the of the New Testament which is binding on our lives so we need to realize that we completely miss, miss God's standard and so we need Christ indwelling us but secondly we also it also shows us that that the those people that we whom we are going out and we are ministering to them and we are uh, meeting their physical needs particularly in a situation like the coronavirus thing that's going on around us when we are loving those people in practical ways there is something bigger than their physical need that's at stake there is something bigger they also they also have a heart that is not able to live up to God's standard they also need the love of Christ and they need Christ's forgiveness for for what they for the ways and the way they have missed God's standard and in, and in fact we can turn the parable in, in, in a slightly different angle again the parable is not so much about how we love others although we can definitely learn from that it's actually showing us about how God loves sinners God loves you like the Samaritan loved that man lying on the road 
He loves the, and He loves the stranger or the neighbour that you come across. When, we, when you go out to, to help your neighbour or help a stranger and, and hopefully help them in practical ways, we realise that actually God loves them like that Samaritan did. We might not be, we, we struggle to love the, the, the neighbour, we struggle to love the stranger like the Samaritan do, did, but God does. And in fact, He gave up something that was incredibly costly for that stranger, for your neighbour. He gave up everything. Christ gave up everything on the cross for the person that you are going to minister to. And so that there is their biggest need. And so as we are loving the lost and as we go out and we engage with the, with the world and we take, a, take a, a, a lesson from the Good Samaritan and go and, and help and go and be a blessing and go and, and meet physical needs even in a, a COVID-19 situation, we got to realize that we also take with us the greatest and the most important message, the most important thing that we can help meet their needs with, and that is the message that God is the one who can ultimately meet their needs. God is the one whom has provided a way in Christ for them to, for them to have eternal life, just as the lawyer was asking right at the beginning. And so, uh, as we sort of wind up with the with the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, I want to ask, uh, answer a question that as I've been studying and as I've been chatting with a couple of people before, uh, before um, the, the service and, and the days gone by, the question naturally arises, okay, so that, that's good. We've talked about going out and, and, and sort of hypothetically going out and, and meeting with our neighbours and serving our neighbours and, and then perhaps taking the gospel to them and talking, to the, uh, talking with them about Jesus. But how? How do we do that? I mean, what's the, what's the process? This, this, feels like, uh, this feels like it is a, um, a, a tough thing to, to do. So... I want us to, if you've got your Bibles, in fact, I've got it on the screen in a, in a moment, have a look at the, pa- the, the couple of verses that come before the Good Samaritan. Oftentimes, we're in a, we're in a habit of just diving into a, a parable like this and just starting and reading, and that's, that's fine, but it actually comes in a, in, a, in a context, and so I want us to read the, first, the verses that are just a, a little bit before the Good Samaritan and see what Jesus was doing. So from, from chapter 10, verse 21, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, uh, sorry, from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. And then we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. The lawyer then, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test. So notice that just before this parable, what Jesus was doing was he was, he was praying about, the, about revealing the things of heaven to people. He was actually praying about this process of revealing God's plan to people. He was rejoicing in the Holy Spirit's work of bringing people to God. And so I want to, want to su- suggest to you that, that there is the exact 
method that we should be using in terms of desiring to go and help, help the, the, the lost in terms of their physical needs, but also their spiritual needs. I want to tell you a little story. A few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, uh, Ashley and I, we went, on a, uh, we went on a camp. It was kind of like a parent-child camp. It was great. It was a whole lot of fun, uh, we, and we, we really enjoyed it. There was, uh, there was a guy there, though. Uh, I'm not going to use his real name. I'm just going to call him Jim. Um, Jim was there with his daughter, and Jim had only uh, just met his daughter, in fact, uh, about a year ago. Uh, so that was very much a surprise to Jim, and, and his daughter was um, late teens, early 20s. And Jim was not a Christian. Jim uh, was there at, the, at this Christian camp, uh, at a parent-child camp, really just to, and, and through his own words, he said, we're going to put all the God stuff aside. I just want to learn some practical stuff about how to engage with my daughter, because I've never done this before. So, so as, a, as a group, he was in our group, there was a, a group about, of about eight uh, dads, all with daughters there, and so we, uh, so we enjoyed spending time with Jim, but there was a couple of us that, that kind of realized a couple of things, uh, that, that Jim really, really needed some help, just in terms of figuring out what it, how to be a dad, that was really new to him, um, and he had been thrown in the deep end, kind of uh, at the end of his um, daughter's childhood, if you want to call it that. And so we, a couple of us just really started to pray specifically that one, we'd be able to just speak into Jim's life in terms of just being a practical help to Jim. And two, that through the course of the camp that was going for about a week, uh, we would be able to uh, just share the love of Jesus in terms of share the gospel with this guy, Jim. So Jim went through the camp and he really enjoyed the camp. There was a whole lot of really good practical parenting in the, in the camp. It was fantastic. He enjoyed that. Um, and he, he, he enjoyed that, and he, and he thought that was uh, just really, really helpful. And he, we had some conversations sometimes late at night before going to bed about just the practicalities of, of parenting and, and, and having a daughter uh, around. It was to, uh, but, but a couple of us, though, were also very aware that, the, that this guy, Jim, he just, yeah, he, he was not a, a, a Christian at all, and he was very happy with that fact. Um, and so we prayed, we were starting to pray pretty earnestly about just opportunities to share the gospel with Jim. Now, one of the last sessions, probably the very last session on the, on the last evening, uh, there was, an, uh, there was a, a, a message that was shared. Uh, Jim was sitting right beside me. And then through, the, through that message, it was a message of reconciliation with family members, and he was, everyone was invited to just write some letters to, to try and reconcile with, ex, with uh, extended family members. That was great. And I just waited, and, and uh, Jim just sat there beside me. Everyone went, went to get the letter-writing stuff, and Jim just sat there right beside me. And I thought, well, okay, I could, could go write a letter, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to sit beside Jim. And, uh, and, and, the, and everyone was, the, they had asked us just to quietly not talk in the, in the rest of the service, but just to, there was some music playing, and, and we just we were going to write some letters. So I just whispered to Jim. I said, you know, Jim, I've just been wondering, Throughout this whole whole week, you've said that you were going to put all the God stuff aside, but the but the the messages have been coming through loud and clear all the way through. You've heard them all. Where where are you at with God? And that was, to be fair, that was just a slightly it was a, it was a slightly awkward part in terms of a conversation, but it was something that that I'd been praying for and praying about for the for the whole week leading up. 
And, uh, and then Jim just, just started to talk to me about, you know what? I grew up as a little boy in church. My dad was a, I can't remember whether he was an elder or a deacon. And he was a you know, pretty high-ranking guy in, the, in our church. And then on Sunday afternoon, when we got home from church through Monday morning and Tuesday, the beatings would start until church again on Sunday morning when we'd all go off to, to church again. Yeah, I don't have really much uh, like or respect for either the church or, or God. So I sat there and thought, oh, okay, all right. This is uh, potentially going to be a hard and long conversation. So anyway, but he just started to talk about what he thought about God. And so I listened. And, we, and he kept on talking and he kept on talking and I asked a couple of questions here and there. And then one of the guys came up to us and said, hey guys, remember we were asked not to talk and, and here everyone's writing letters. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. It's the first time I've ever been kicked out of a church service. So we, so we walked outside and, we, and then we, we sat down on the step out, outside and, uh, and, and we just started talking. And he just laid out for me what he, how he thought it all worked with, in terms of his understanding of God. And you know what? There wasn't anything uh, um, amazing about what I had to say or, what I, or, or the story that I could share. All it was is that he laid out for me what he thought about God and lay, left a really massive opening at the end in terms of just saying, you know what? I, I think God's probably got, getting sick of this world and he's just going to, like, if he's got a snow globe, that this world's a snow globe, he's just gonna, probably just going to go and throw, drop it in the trash. And so he just left a nice big opening and where I could say, hey, can I share with you about how the Bible talks about who God is and actually God's rescue plan for this world, for the snow globe, if you want to call it that. And you know what, there, was, there wasn't anything amazing or, or, or magical about what I had to say, but what there was amazing and supernatural was that God put it all into place. I had prayed and prayed and prayed. There's a couple of us that have prayed and prayed and prayed through the week for, uh, for an opportunity to meet Jim's needs, but physically, in terms of just helping him with some stuff, and then an opportunity for us to share his need, to share about the, his need for a Savior, for, for Christ. And, and I tell you that because that's exactly what Jesus did before this parable. And I tell you that also because uh, the question is often asked, well, how do I do this? Well, how do I b- both go, go and engage with the world and, uh, and then have opportunity to share the gospel? Well, there's one thing I've learned along the way. When we, when we pray for God's will to happen in our life, God's will starts to happen in our life. Do you think it's God's will for us to go and meet the needs of those of the lost around us? Yeah, we've just read the parable of the Good Samaritan, haven't we? Do you think it's God's will for us to go and tell the gospel to the world around us? Have a look at Matthew 28. Absolutely, this, this, that is God's will for us to do that. We start praying for those things and God starts putting those opportunities uh, in our life. And so as we, as we round up and as we finish up here, as we uh, finish up talking about loving the lost and going engaging with the lost, can I encourage you, if this is just something that's a, a little bit uh, a little bit foreign to you and, and something that's a little bit uncomfortable to, uh, to you, can I just suggest to you, one, I, I feel your uncomfort and I feel that foreignness too. And can I encourage you then to just commit this to the Lord? Just spend time daily just asking for opportunity with your neighbor, with, with those that you are interacting with, 
and uh, asking for opportunity for God to open up those doors for you to minister to those around you physically and then and also to share with them opportunities is to share with them about who Jesus is and what their and their need for a savior hey let's pray as we just finish up this part of the service our father we thank you for this parable in Luke chapter 10 uh, the parable of the good Samaritan we thank you that we've been able to uh, be challenged by it um, and be challenged in, in, a, in a practical way of going out to uh, meet the needs of the, of the lost around us. But Lord, I pray that that, would not get, uh, the, the, that that would not be the only way in which we go and meet the needs of the, of the lost around us. Lord, we know that if we were to meet their physical needs but yet walk away from them at that point, we haven't even begun to address the most important need in their life and that is the need for salvation and their need for Jesus Christ in their life. So I pray that we would, that we would be a church who is, uh, particularly in a time like this, where we are forced to be scattered. Lord, I pray that we would be a church who is engaging with the world, engaging with our neighbors, and, and loving in practical ways uh, those who are around us. But Lord, I pray that we are also a people who are prayerfully desiring and, uh, and, being, and even being zealous about opportunities and finding opportunities to share the, the good news and the, and the best news, the, the, the most important thing that we can share with our neighbors and friends and, then, and even strangers that we meet. So, Father, I pray that you would uh, bless the rest of the morning that we have here as we uh, just do these uh, last few things just a little differently. And I pray that you would bless uh, the, the rest of the week as we go and engage with the week. Uh, whatever that week might, might bring, we know that the last few days even, have brought twists and turns that we just wouldn't have been able to pick. And so we just ask that you would just give us wisdom as we go about our lives, our daily lives, and give us wisdom as we engage uh, with the world, with the gospel. So we thank you for, for this time, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.